And joining me right now here on a Tuesday, as he always does, is my good friend John Ferry up there in Jacksonville with Sports Now. We got to talk some Gators, NFL playoffs. Oh, we'll go around the horn. John, how you doing today? Doing great. Hard to believe we're down to three games left in the NFL season, Mark. The conference championship games and then the Super Bowl. One road team won over the weekend, and I guess we should have known it was going to be the Kansas City Chiefs that would be the one to pull off the upset. If you want to call that an upset, anytime Kansas City wins, I don't know if you consider it an upset, but by the odds makers it was this past week. That was a weird fourth quarter where Buffalo felt like they already won the game. And I'm like, look at the scoreboard. You're not winning. You're down three. It was bizarre to watch. How about you? It was a lot of missed opportunities. It's a game Buffalo should have won, I feel. Like you said, it felt like they were winning even when they were behind on the scoreboard. But Josh Allen... Had a lot of great plays, but came up short on that last drive. Uh, there was a receiver wide open. Stephon Diggs missed one that Josh Allen couldn't have thrown any better earlier in that quarter, about a 60-yard pass. Mm. Obviously, the missed field goal will be what's remembered most, but a lot of missed opportunities for Buffalo, and I think it's going to be an interesting offseason for them because I don't know if they're going to get a better chance to beat Kansas City than what they had this past Sunday night. The kick, like when it missed, I don't even blame the kicker. I blame the whole organization. Why are you in this position? Someone showed me a stat, John. Buffalo had the ball for 37 minutes in that game, and they were dominating. Just put them away. You know what it means? And I want your thoughts. They don't know how to beat Kansas City. They have no idea. Is that what it is? I, really, that I think it is a mental thing, Mark. I think exactly because they've had chances in years past to beat Kansas City. Those games were on the road. This one was in Buffalo. And every time they either can't make a play in the fourth quarter, they allow Kansas City to come back. It's just amazing how that series has gone. They can beat Kansas City in the regular season like they did this past season, but they can't get them in the postseason. And you mentioned the time of possession. Buffalo, I thought, was the more physical team on the line of scrimmage. They were running the ball, but you got to put them away. You can't let Patrick Mahomes hang around, that's for sure. If you do, you see what can happen. So Why it's don't... the sixth year in a row – Kansas City's the new New England, I guess, in the modern era here now. We thought we got rid of a dominant team, the Patriots, with Tom Brady. The Chiefs are going to be in their sixth straight AFC championship game. They'll be on the road, but they'll be in conference championship Sunday yet again. Why don't you uh, cover Travis Kelsey? Why don't you put someone on him? How about that for defense? That is something the Jacksonville Jaguars and the local folks here were saying during the last postseason. It's amazing how he finds ways to get open. Uh, Now, I think the Bills had two linebackers out for that game due to injuries, and I had a feeling that was going to be an issue, and that came out. But still, you got to find a way to cover Travis Kelsey. Uh, He's their best playmaker. I mean, they've got the young wide receiver, but Travis Kelsey is still the man as far as – the passing game. So it's amazing he got two touchdowns in that game. 
and Buffalo's going to be sitting home this uh, upcoming weekend yet again. It's nuts. He's wide open. He was. Everyone knows he's there. He's the number one option. He's wide open. Oh, well, let's go to the other game. Baltimore. It's 10-10 at half with the Houston Texans. And then all of a sudden, Baltimore said, not today, and completely showed them who the real team is. I thought of you, because if the Texans are the best team in the AFC South, then the South is light years away from competing for the Super Bowl. That's how I felt. How about you with that performance? Well, I'll tell you what Baltimore did is what Buffalo couldn't. They took care of business in the second half and put the Texans away. And they were the more physical team. They were able to run the ball at will. And as far as the AFC South, yes, it it appears they are uh, light years away uh, from Baltimore, Kansas City, and the AFC East, to be quite honest about it, the way it looks right now. But I just like the way the Ravens took care of business. You mentioned it was 10-10 at halftime. It wound up 34-10 in the end, and it was never a ball game in the second half. Baltimore went right down the field on the opening possession third quarter and just kept rolling. So hats off to the Ravens. It's going to be an intriguing game this upcoming week with Kansas City going to Baltimore, but the AFC South has got some work to do. There's no doubt about it, not just the Jaguars, but – the Texans, the Colts, to catch up to these other divisions and these other teams if they want to compete for a Super Bowl. We're here at John Ferry Sports now. I got into a discussion with one of our colleagues who you've had on your show, Luke Easterling, yesterday. Goes heavy on the draft. He took a shot at your Jaguars from the standpoint of, you look at what Detroit built in the last two drafts, all the hits they've had, and in theory, all the misses by the Jaguars. I hope you know that, John. I think it's fair from Luke. I mean, Trent Baalke has been the subject of a lot of conversation up here in Northeast Florida. That's the Jaguars general manager, for those that don't know. I think they should have moved on from him a couple of years ago, Mark. Now, it's been a mixed bag with him. A year ago, he hit in free agency with a lot of guys, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk. But the draft, not so much. And... I think Luke's right. You look at what Detroit has built predominantly through the draft. They're a step away from the Super Bowl. Other than Anton Harrison this past season for the Jags, what else can you look at on anybody Trent Baalke drafted last April that contributed to this year's team? Not much. A second-round tight end who only had 30 yards receiving, a little bit over 30 yards in Brenton Strange. A third-round running back who had fumble issues, Tank Bixby. A fourth-round linebacker who never really played, Ventrell Miller, got hurt in training camp, who had a history of injury situations with the Gators. We've talked about that. So that's fair. I can't argue that. I know you hate when I say this. Aiden Hutchinson should have been the first pick the Jaguars. I'm sorry. And you could see it in these playoff games. He is a MVP on defense. It should have been number one to the Jaguars. There's no question. Uh, no, even though Trayvon Walker had a much better year this year, he had over 10 sacks. Still, having said that, Aiden Hutchinson's been a difference maker from day one. He is a natural pass rusher. Trayvon Walker is not. So 
I couldn't agree more. Aiden should have been. I, that's another miss on Trent Baalke, getting back to the Jaguars general manager. And I, I think he will be on the hot seat probably more so than Doug Peterson up here this upcoming year if this draft in April doesn't pan out. Because sooner or later, you've got to have these draft picks produce. Okay, are you ready to play a very, very sad game with me? I, well, I'm holding my breath, Mark. I think so. All right. Lamar Jackson is from South Florida. He is going to win his second MVP award. Should I rattle off the following schools that offered him a college scholarship? Did I do this? I, I, absolutely. I think I know where this is going, but okay. yes, hit me with them. All right. Nebraska, Mississippi State, Florida, and Louisville. This according to 24-7 Sports. His Wikipedia page, and now you can't believe everything that's written on there, said, okay, Florida was going to be the school, but then Bobby Petrino said to his mother, he is going to play quarterback here. This was around 14-15, so what would this have been? Kind of the end of must champ, I believe, with the recruiting process. He went to Louisville and won the Heisman. He should have gone to Florida. That's my thoughts. How things would have been different if he had. No question. And that was the end of Will Muschamp, the beginning of the Jim McElwain era. And he won the Heisman Trophy in 2016. We know what he's doing in the NFL now. So, yeah, just one of many misses the Florida Gators program has missed on over the past decade. It's basically a mediocre program, and that pains me to say that, but the Florida Gators are irrelevant on the college football scene right now. There's no question about it. And they are also being investigated right now for a player they didn't even get, Mark. That's Jaden Rashada from a year ago. What? To add insult to injury. Not only are they not very good right now, they're being investigated for not being very good right now. So you can imagine what the Gator Nation is feeling right now when that news came out from the NCAA over the past week. You can't get in trouble for a player you never got. The the failure of losing Rashada and the embarrassment last year at this time when it came out that they couldn't pay him the money, that's enough penalty in my book. How about you? I agree, and it does go back to the money they were offering, which they never had, from the former Gators Collective. (laughs) And the NCAA hasn't released all the details on this, but that is what the investigation is predominantly stemming around. And I'm thinking the same thing you are, that you just said it more succinctly than I can. You really can't get in trouble for a player you never got, but... Things are so bad for the Florida Gators and the football program right now. Maybe you can, Mark. It, it's unbelievable if they get any kind of probation, whether it's scholarship reductions or any kind of penalties for a player they never got. The only highlight I saw Rashada was in the opener when Florida's losing to Utah, and then ESPN panned to Rashada throwing a touchdown, and that was it. Did you see any other highlights from that guy? 
that is all I saw too. And ironically, I remember that Dan Mullen, and it looked like he was uh, had some glee in his voice because he was in the the studio that night when they showed that highlight back on August 31st of last year when they lost to Utah. But I never remember seeing or hearing anything more about Jaden Rashada out at Arizona State after that moment no. last season. No. All right. So if Coach Muschamp, if he would have been just a guy that could get to eight or nine wins and understood what positions players should play, then maybe Lamar Jackson played at Florida. Maybe that's what would have happened. I think if you had given Will Muschamp Lamar Jackson, Mark, with the defense Florida had, because one thing Coach Muschamp could do is build an elite defense, and Florida's defense was elite back then. It's hard to believe Florida used to play defense the way we've seen the last four seasons, but the offense was the issue with Will Muschamp entirely, and that is the reason he got fired that's also the reason he got fired at South Carolina years later, but that was always the the sticking point with him. So if he had had an elite quarterback with that defense, I think it would have been lights out. And, he might still be at the University of Florida right now. And what if you had Derrick Henry and told him allegedly, oh, you should play defense? What if he had Henry in the backfield as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just a lot of – a lot of painful uh, what-ifs when it comes to Florida and what should have happened and, unfortunately, what has happened to the to the present. I don't, so, look, dude, I'm seeing DJ Lagway. I'm going to watch him play quarterback for the Gators. I don't know about you and the rest of the people listening right now. I'm going there for the spring game. I'm seeing Lagway, and that's going to be my hope for the season. And I hope you feel the same way. Well, Lagway has to play, not only the spring game, but he's got to play significant time next year. Now, I expect Graham Mertz to be the starter going into the season against Miami. However, I expect Lagway to have a package in every single game because in the age of the transfer portal, Mark, if Lagway doesn't get significant time, he's going to move on. You know the way this is now. It's free agency in college football, which – is another topic entirely. I think they need to rein that in. I don't know how they're going to, but where we're at right now, Lagway's got to play. And not only for that reason, but because I think he's going to be an elite player and he's going to be better than Graham Mertz. The only thing he's lacking is the experience right now. And Florida's not winning on the field anyway, so I hate to say it, you got to get the young man out there sooner rather than later, get him the experience and see if he can be a difference maker for you immediately. Okay, let's go back to the games. Let's get to your picks here with John Ferry Sports now. Always love getting you on. Who do you got in the AFC between Baltimore and Kansas City? I'm going to take Baltimore. I think this is going to finally be the end of the line for Kansas City. Now, I made the mistake of saying that last week, Mark, but I think Baltimore is going to be able to do what Buffalo couldn't. That is, they're going to limit the amount of receptions Kelsey gets. I think this team is going to stop them, and I think they're really going to dominate the line of scrimmage. I know Buffalo did it for 37 minutes. I think Baltimore is not only going to do that, but they're going to capitalize with some touchdowns more than what Buffalo got. So I like uh, Baltimore to advance uh, to the Super Bowl from the AFC. 
Who do you like in the NFC between San Francisco and Detroit? Well, I'll tell you, there's a big question mark in this game for me, and we're really not going to know till right up to game time. Is Debo Samuel going to be able to play? And what Debo Samuel are, are we going to get? Because he got the shoulder injury against Green Bay. Green Bay should have won that game last week. Mm-hmm. They outplayed San Francisco. They left some opportunities on the field late as well. I'm going to take Detroit in the upset. Uh, I can't believe I'm saying that out loud, but I am taking the Detroit Lions, Mark, to go to the Super Bowl, something we have never seen in our lifetime. I think they're going to find a way to pull it out. I don't think Debo Samuel's going to be 100%. And I think Detroit uh, can get it done on the road. So I'm taking Detroit and Baltimore for Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. Did you have that back in July as your pick for the Super Bowl? No way. No way. No how. And I want to see anybody that tells me they had Detroit back in July. I want to see that. Uh, We're going to have to have a polygraph, but no, I did not. Absolutely not. (laughs) There was, there was hype for the Lions going into the season. There was where, Hey, you know, they're going to make the playoffs. They're better. I heard all of that, but not Super Bowl. But I don't think anybody had them for Super Bowl. Well, when I say anybody, I'm sure there was somebody somewhere, but I didn't see any national uh, pundits picking Detroit for the Super Bowl before the year. I did see a lot that thought, hey, they might win the division. It feels like, okay, if you're a Niners fan, you're rooting for the Niners. The rest of the country's going for Detroit, and then the opposite is, (laughs) if you're a Chiefs fan in Kansas City, you're rooting for the Chiefs. Doesn't it feel like the rest of the country's going for Baltimore right now? Oh, there's a lot of Kansas City fatigue. No question on that. I've got so many friends and so many folks I've talked to that are so tired of that. It's become the modern-day New England, just like when Tom Brady was with the Patriots. Mm. There was so much Patriot fatigue during that stretch. It's transferred to the Kansas City Chiefs now, and I couldn't agree more about Detroit. I think Everybody outside of San Francisco, Baltimore, and Kansas City are rooting for Detroit and that story for a for a fan base that has suffered so long. I mean, that fan base has suffered longer than the Jacksonville Jaguar fan base, Mark. I can say that. So I would love to see them be able to pull it off on Sunday night, and I think they're going to get it done. I think they are going to get to the Super Bowl. The Lions have been around since, I think, the 1930s. I don't think they're an original team, but they're right there. All right. Like they're old school. And they show that in the broadcast where they won championships in the fifties. Just think about that. Just, uh, so who is amazing. Uh, 1957 is the last championship they won with some quarterback named Bobby Lane, who I've heard about for years, but I was yeah. not around to see play. So no. All right. So who has not played in the Super Bowl? Can you do it for me? Well, the Jacksonville Jaguars, painfully, is one. The Houston Texans, the Detroit Lions, and the Cleveland Browns. That's right. That's exactly right. Before I let you go, Gator basketball got a win over the weekend. I There's a part of me, like, I think they can make the tournament as a double-digit seed. How about you? 
I think they can. That was a much-needed win, by the way, against a Missouri team that's not very good. And Florida needed that win on the road. They're 2-3 and three in the conference. This is a big week coming up for them. They've got home games against Mississippi State and Georgia. I think they're both must-wins. But right now, Florida at 12-6 and six overall, 2-3 and three in conference, would argue be a bubble team right now. Yeah. And so they've got some work to do, but I do think they can get in the tournament. I think they're going to. I think they're probably going to be an 11 or 12 seed, double digit, as you had just mentioned. But I think they'll be playing in the big dance this year. And they haven't been there since 2021. So for Todd Golden, that would be a, a huge step to get this program back into March Madness. They've been a bubble team for a decade. I know I'm throwing haymakers today, buddy. I am. They, that's what they, that's what happened to the program. They've been a bubble team every single year. That's my perception of the program. Well, they haven't even been a bubble team the last two years, uh, or maybe they have in the bubble burst, as they say. But yeah, they've, uh, it's, uh, since Billy Donovan left back in 2015, it's hard to believe it's been nine years this upcoming March that he left and went to the NBA. They've had one really good season. That was Mike White's second year when they made the Elite Eight and lost to South Carolina. Other than that, you can argue they've been a bubble team every year for the last eight years. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, it, which shows you how great Billy Donovan was because, honestly, before Billy Donovan, Florida was never a basketball school. I mean, they were never that. They they had a year here or there. They did make a Final Four with Lon Kruger back in the day. But yeah. Billy Donovan had 19 years of sustained success there. He spoiled Florida fans for sure. And since he's left, it certainly has taken a big-time precipitous drop off the uh, cliff, as they say. Hey, when I was growing up, on Sega Genesis, I'd play Coach K's College Basketball from EA Sports. And that was when Andrew DeClerc led the Gators to the Final Four. And I was play as the Gators as a kid. I hope you know that. I remember that. That Final Four was in Charlotte. It was 1994. Uh-huh. Florida actually had the lead with five minutes to go in that game. One Grant Hill was on that Duke team as well that Florida lost to. So I do remember very well. How many times? All right, I think I can do this, and I'll let you go. So, what is it, 94-95, you made it. Then 2000 with Mike Miller, is that the team? And then... It is. 06-07, back-to-back championships. And then 14, the the Patrick Young team. Is that So, that's the final four appearances. That That's it. That's, that's five. Right. And you nailed it. Uh, the 94 one with Lon Kruger, the other four... With Billy Donovan, 2000, 2006, 2007, and 2014. But throw in about six or seven more Elite Eights with Billy Donovan. There was a stretch where he made the Elite Eight five years in a row. And they just couldn't get over that hump. And then they finally did in 2014, right before Coach Donovan left and went to the NBA. They beat in 14, one of my favorite teams of all time. They beat... Kentucky? No. 
No, they lose to UConn in the semi, and then doesn't UConn beat Kentucky in the title game? Isn't that it? That's exactly how it happened. Florida beat Kentucky three times that year. Yes. Yeah. And Florida was undefeated in the SEC that year. They lost. However, they lost to two teams all year. It was UConn and Wisconsin. And they lost to UConn twice. They yeah. lost to them in the regular season and in the Final Four. They Okay, remember, they lose to UConn, and then they go undefeated for months and then lose to UConn in the Final Four. Yep. Exactly. Vote and right. That, that was a uh, major disappointment because that was one I thought Florida was going to walk away with Coach Donovan's third national title. That was with Patrick Young who's now on SEC Network, and we wish him the best after his accident and what he's battling through. But, uh, yeah, that was the last great team Florida's had in basketball. Boatwright and Shabazz Napier, the backcourt for UConn. I always remember this. They, Yeah, it was not good. His name's John Ferry. We brought up a lot of painful memories today. I appreciate your help, and have a great week, all right? Mark, always an honor and a pleasure to be on, and everybody enjoy the uh Next to last week of football, this upcoming weekend.